0: It's uh, it's very very good to be with you this morning. For those that I don't know, or those visiting, my name is Mike uh, Day. You don't need my surname, but it's Mike, and uh, and I'm one of the pastors on team here. I'm on staff. My role is to oversee discipleship and uh, to create a space where we feel like we can know more about what it means to follow Jesus, find and follow Jesus. That that's the goal, and I can't believe I get paid to do that. I love doing it. Um, I would do it in my spare time. So that's probably it's. <laughs> <clears throat> I would charge more if doing in my spare time. <laughs> Anyways, um... Hello to Battersea Online, for those of you who don't know, we stream live every Sunday to Battersea Church, and uh, to those also watching online, welcome, it's really, really good to be speaking to you as well, including you in this in this talk. Speaking about the freedom of children, I feel like I have to share this story that just happened to me a moment ago in the men's bathroom. Um, <laughs> I know we don't usually talk about this, uh, least of all in front of the church, but uh, as I was coming out of the bathroom, uh, I think about a six or seven year old boy said to me, how old are you? And uh, I don't know if you know anything about men's bathrooms, but there's solemn silence kept at, at all times in the men's bathroom. And so it was a bit of a shock to have someone speak to me. And uh, I, said, I said, how old do you think I am? And he said, 17. <laughs> and uh, I said, I'm 30. I'm and he said, what? I'm 30, um, so I hope you don't mind uh, listening to uh, a 30-year-old who looks like a 17-year-old this morning <laughs> on the topic of of discipleship. At least, you know, I am 30. Hopefully, I have at least some life experience to talk about uh, some of these things. So if you don't know, uh, we've been talking about discipleship over the last month, the month of November, and uh, this has been a really high-challenge series, if you've been at any of them, one or both, hopefully. Uh, you can go and watch them online. I think we can agree. It's been pretty high challenge, high challenge stuff, which is really, really important. I, as I was praying about this, I, I felt like it's been a time of realignment in a way. It's been a time of God just saying, okay, let's, let's come back uh, on course again. I felt like he's been putting a compass in our hand and saying, let's figure out where true north is again. And I don't know if you know this, but compasses are really helpful and getting you to where you need to go. If you're lost or you don't know which direction to go, and a compass can be a really great guide, is a really great guide to point you in the right direction. Despite outside disturbances, a compass will always lead you to true north. And I feel like what we've been talking about, what we've been doing, is describing that true north of Christian living, which is discipleship, following Jesus, coming back to that place of saying, I will follow you, Jesus. So if you're visiting us, you're not yet a Christian, you're on a journey of some kind, you don't know where you are yet and your thoughts about God, just know that that's what we are about as a community. We're about following Jesus. We're about looking to Him. We believe that He is not just a good moral person, a great man, but He's the Son of God. doesn't just come to point us to God, but is God Himself in the flesh, showing us what it means to truly be human and to worship God. So that's what we're about. We're about following Jesus. That's what the series is about realigning us to find that true north of Christian discipleship in following Jesus. So, the first week we looked at the call, and we looked at the call that Jesus gives in Matthew 4 to follow. We spoke about the difference between fans versus followers. Jesus is not looking for more fans, he's not looking for more people who'll cheer from the sideline, he's looking for followers people who will come behind him and learn from him and ultimately do what he has been doing in his earthly ministry. We continue the ministry of Jesus as his followers. So the first week was the call to follow. We're not fans, we're followers. Second week was the cost, which Zeke, I don't know if you can agree, but Zeke did a phenomenal job last week in talking about the cost of following Jesus. It's not just easy It's not just roses. It's not just colorful all the time. And and it's hard sometimes. There is a real cost that we need to count. And I think the thing I took away from his talk was, don't be surprised if there's a cost at the cross. Jesus says, follow me, take up your cross. Implicit. It's not even implicit. Explicit is that there will be a cost. It's not in the fine print. It's not like you're signing up to Instagram and you actually have no idea What you're agreeing to. that Has anyone ever read the terms and conditions of Instagram? (laughs) Anyone? I haven't. And yet we click agree. We don't know what we sign our life away to. In fact, you don't probably even know that they own all of your content. That they can do with it whatever they please. Did you know that? That's in the terms and conditions. Jesus's call and the cost that he tells us about is not in some fine print. It's explicit. So when we're following him, we shouldn't be surprised if there's a cost. So that's where we've been. We've talked about the call, we've talked about the cost, but it wouldn't be complete if we stopped there. We need to talk about the commission that Jesus gives his followers. The commission, the call to go. See, any healthy body of water needs an inlet and an outlet, right? If it just has an inlet, it becomes stagnant. And almost those first two weeks are, in a sense, a kind of Inlet experience of following Jesus, receiving from Him, being formed after His likeness, counting the cost, saying yes, continuing on with Him. But ultimately, that, that would stop short of the full picture of discipleship if we didn't talk about that outlet of going and being on mission with Jesus, the commission that He gives His followers. And the best way to understand commission, if it feels like a strange word is to is to break it up into its two parts. Co-mission. Co-plus mission co plus mission joining god in his mission and if you've been around our culture at all today uh, you will know that there's a bit of a concern about this there's a there's a problematizing of this understanding of, of bible bashing you know, don't don't bash me with the bible don't don't tell me what i have to believe don't tell me how i ought to live just keep your faith to yourself like you have every right to believe it just don't make it public keep it private conversion talk is almost seen as fanaticism talk. Faith should be private, not public. Don't, don't talk about evangelism. Don't talk about mission. Don't talk about conversion. That, that's almost a swear word, in a sense. But the problem is, when someone says that, they're doing the very thing that they're saying you should not do. They're trying to persuade you that their opinion and view of the world is correct. And if I'm right, they're not keeping that particularly private. They're making that public whenever they can. We do this as a human thing. We do this all the time. I'm going to try and persuade you that Manchester United is the best football club in England. I'm going to try. I might not win that argument today um, because of uh, recent performances, but I'm going to try and persuade you that that is the case. We'll see how they go against Chelsea later. I can't help but tell you about my team. I can't help but tell you about my passions. I can't help but try to persuade you that what I think is important, you should also value as important. This is a human thing. So those of you who are worried about this, who know people who are worried about talking about mission or sharing your faith or evangelism, the reality is we're all evangelists for something. We're all evangelizing. We're all selling a product or an idea or an experience. And maybe it's not as negative as selling. We're all communicating it. We all do this all the time. What we're talking about as Christians is something we value very, very deeply. We believe it to be true. It's not just a good idea. It's not just that we think it works. Something can work and not be true. We we, we want to communicate it because we believe it's true. This is a rescue mission and a reality mission. So as we talk about it, I just felt like I had to kind of say that to clear some of the way to talk about this mission, and how we join God and His mission. So there's two parts to how I want to do it this morning. Very, very simple. Um, I hope that's the plan anyway. The first part is talking about the mission of God, which is called Missio Dei. And the second, it's barely pronounceable, but Missio Ecclesiae, which is Latin. I don't know why theologians love to talk in Latin terminology, but I felt I had to put that up there because I, I, I am a theologian. Uh, or I don't know if I can even say that I like, I'm an aspiring theologian and this is how the church has reflected on these two aspects of the one mission in the history of the church the mission of God and the people of mission so I'm going to read our text for today with a, which is Matthew 28 I'm going to pray and then I'm going to get into these two parts, is that okay? does that sound okay? great well, I'm not going to pray, I'm going to read this first Matthew 28, verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And as Jesus came and said to them, sorry, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray together. Just take a moment to let that sit in our minds and our hearts for a second as we pray. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Thank you that you're already here, that you're meeting with us. And I ask for every single person in this room that you would meet them where they are at, whether they're convinced of you or they're a bit skeptical, perhaps curious. Lord, I ask that you would meet every person where they are at this morning. And that you would teach us what it means to join you on the mission that you are on in your world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so first, Missio Dei, the mission of God. So, As I said, this is a Latin word. And what it means is the self-sending or the mission of God. The self-sending of God or the mission of God. Of God. And what it basically is communicating, this is really important. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I feel like we can't get to the second part until we've looked at this, is it's communicating that mission starts with God's own nature, who God is in God's self. From all eternity, God has existed in perfect relationship between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Theologians have called this perichoresis, which means the divine dance. It's a beautiful picture to hold in our minds. Sometimes we have a picture of God somehow alone, a single God, sitting on a throne somewhere in heaven, looking a little bit like Gandalf or something like that, or Father Christmas. And uh, we never communicate that, but sometimes it's emotionally where we land. And uh, kind of serious looking, but this picture gives us a more dynamic, relational, beautiful picture of what God is really about That God in himself is Father, Son, and Spirit, each deferring to the other in this eternal divine dance between each other. It's an incredible picture of what God is like. So God for all eternity has existed in this way, perfectly satisfied, perfectly fulfilled in himself. So why does God create? Why does God make anything if God is perfectly satisfied in himself? Well, there's three options. The first is that God creates out of a sense of need. God needs creation or is in some way dependent on creation in order to be God. The second is God creates for the reason of power or dominion, domination. God needs to dominate something in order to be seen as being an all-powerful God. But I don't think those two actually help us. God doesn't need anything God is perfectly satisfied in himself. We might say that God has healthy attachment patterns. He does not need us to fulfill his needs. And God doesn't need to dominate anything to prove that he is God. So why does God create? The only other reason is out of a sense of overflowing creative love from within the trinity. God creates out of overflow, out of love, to create something that might be able to share in the divine loving life. That is why God creates. And we see that in the Garden of Eden. In the beginning, Genesis chapter 1 and 3, I'm giving you a whistle-stop tour here, but it's important. In chapter 1, we see God creates with a specific mandate in mind, that we would share stewardship over all creation, to reflect the, pra- the praises of creation back to God and God to creation. That's the role of humanity. But we see throughout those chapters that it doesn't go according to plan. Humanity, instead of honoring God as the creator, chooses to worship and serve other things and elevate themselves to the status of God. But God as the loving creator who overflows in creative activity will not let decay and death have the last word. And so what we see is from within the eternal divine counsels of the Trinity, God decides to send himself. See, mission starts with God. Mission is not a human idea. Mission is not an add-on, an extra, a human project. Mission starts in the very nature of the Trinitarian God. The Father sends the Son, and the Father and the Son send the Holy Spirit. God is the self-sending God. This is a really really important thing because it shows us that its mission is not just God's idea, it's who God is. John Stott puts it this way, he says, "Mission arises from the heart of God himself and is communicated from his heart to ours." Mission is the global outreach of the global people of a global God. Beautiful. Mission starts with God. It starts in God's heart. He cannot allow that which he has created to suffer death and decay and be separated from him. So he sends himself. God sends himself. This can feel a bit abstract. Um, I know that. So what a I want to share a little analogy that has really helped me. It comes from C.S. Lewis. It's not a it's not a talk that I've given unless I've quoted C.S. Lewis somewhere in that talk. So let me let me let me do him some justice. And uh, it's a really helpful analogy about what it looks like for God to reach out to His creation. C.S. Lewis writes an essay in 1963 called "The Seeing Eye," and it's in response to what has just happened around, which has been groundbreaking, which is that the first Russian cosmonaut has been sent successfully into space and has returned safely to Earth. And what had happened is this man called Yuri Gagarin comes down to Earth and tells everyone that he's been into space, he looked around, he didn't find God, and therefore God does not exist. The newspapers printed this story all around and saying, Yuri Gagarin claims that God does not exist because he didn't find him in space. People don't know what to think about this idea. C.S. Lewis, who's alive at the time, writes this essay. And he says this is a very strange way to talk about finding God. Saying that you went up to some great height to find God but didn't find him is like saying Hamlet, a character in a play of Shakespeare, went up into his tallest tallest tower and didn't find Shakespeare. Think about that. Why do we intuitively know that that's a very strange thing uh, to say? Because we know that Hamlet and Shakespeare exist exist in two very different dimensions. Hamlet is a character in the play. Shakespeare is the author of that play. How could these two ever meet? The only way that Hamlet could ever get to know Shakespeare is if Shakespeare wrote himself into the play. And introduced himself to Hamlet. C.S. Lewis says that's what it's like to find God. God. Not to go up to some great height, but for God to break into his own story, to write himself in. To write himself in. This is what we have in the mission of God. God moves into the neighborhood. God sends himself to meet us, to introduce himself to us. He translates himself into a language that you and I can understand. And so a summary of this whole first point is this. We can get it up on the screen. God does not have a mission for his church. He has a church for his mission. God does not have a mission for his church. He has a church for his mission. It's God's mission, the mission of God. So we need to start there. If we don't start there, we start to get confused about our role is in this whole thing. We feel like we've started the thing, or it was our idea, or it was an add-on. But actually, when we realize it's the mission of God, we realize that we are being invited to join into something God has always been doing and initiated himself. So let, let's go there. The second part, the people of mission, the people of mission. I don't know about you, but when you think when you think about mission, I'm not sure the picture that, that comes to, to your mind. I know that for me, the way I imagined it, or at least felt about it for quite some time, was almost like me going to a parent, my mother or my father, for example, going up to say hello, going up to express love and wanting to play or whatever it might be, and basically imagining that as I'm trying to do this and connect, my parent is just saying, you know, the lawn hasn't been mowed yet. Um, there's still a few leaves on the lawn. The swimming pool uh, needs to be, to be cleaned. Actually, it would be really great if you wash the car, um, the kitchen, also the dishes. I had breakfast this morning, and I haven't cleaned my plate. It would be great if you did that. You should be so grateful uh, that I brought you into this world. So you could do a little bit more to prove uh, your place uh, in this world and in this family. Does anyone else relate to that a little bit? Kind of like going to God to enjoy God and being sent to do all the chores that God doesn't want to do? Any, any, any takers or relators to, to that experience? The fact is that God doesn't send us out to do tasks like some lazy or abusive or power-hungry adult. That is not what mission is about. Remember, it's God's mission. God's already doing this. God's raking the leaves. God's cleaning the pool, to, to extend a metaphor too far. Mission is a response to being welcomed in. Mission's a response to being welcomed into the presence of God, into that Trinitarian life of love. And we have only one mandate as a church. I think I'm, I'm so grateful to God that He gave us one mandate because I, I sometimes feel like I'm so simple that I couldn't actually deal with two or three. I, I need one mandate, I need one clear set of instructions. And in the scriptures, there's one clear, unambiguous instance. Of a mandate that is the church's. And it comes to us in Matthew chapter 28. That is it. That's the clear moment of mandate that gives shape to what it is we are supposed to be about. What do we find in Matthew 28? We find that our mandate is not to build the church, that's Jesus' job. Jesus says he will build his church. It's not to make fans or converts. It's to make followers and disciples. That is the mandate that we are given. The one mandate that we have. And Jesus gives us three tools to be able to accomplish this. You could almost think about this as the, the how, the what, and the who of mission. How we go. What we do as we go. And who goes with us. How we go. What we do as we go and who goes with us. So I want to unpack this scripture for us using these three, uh, I guess, tools that Jesus has given us, and then we're going to come in to uh, finish for the day. Does that sound okay? You still still there? Okay. Good. So let's go for the how. How we go. So verse 17 of Matthew 28. When they saw him, they worshipped him but some doubted." Don't you love that? This is one of the the things that people will point to, to say that clearly this is not a made-up religion. If you're wanting to make up a religion, at the key moment of your story, to say that the key players in that story doubted the very thing you're trying to convince people of (laughs) is not a strong start we're seeing here an authentic retelling of of probably what exactly happened and what did exactly happen historically. The disciples saw the resurrected Jesus. They saw him go down, taken by the Romans. They knew that he'd been crucified. They knew that he had died. They buried him in a tomb. Three days later, they see him, and they doubt. Isn't that encouraging for us? (laughs) I'm, I'm really encouraged by that fact because... That's what it is to be a disciple at times. It's not it's not to have a full-blown confidence at every single moment or an emotional confidence or certainty at every single moment. That's not what it is. Even the disciples who see the resurrected Jesus have questions. Is it you Jesus? Really? Are you a ghost? They asked him that. They thought he was a ghost. They doubted. These are the people Jesus is about to commission. And they're the kinds of people he still commissions. The doubters, the warriors, the anxious, the unsure, those who don't have it all together. These are the people Jesus commissions. And no doubt when we hear of being sent or think about doing evangelism, we worry. If you're anything like me, you start to think, how do I do this? What do I say? What if in trying to communicate the gospel, I drive someone further away? I'm like an anti-evangelist. I just, I'm the reason someone doesn't want to have anything to do with God. These can be some of the worries and the concerns that we, we might have. I want to talk about a story of an epic fail in my experience of trying to do this. A few um, years ago, I, uh, was it years ago? I'm not sure. I was at a hairdresser and uh, I thought this is a great moment to try and share the gospel with someone. This person can't go anywhere for 30 minutes. Let's, let's have a conversation, and see if it goes there. And so we start talking, and I start talking about Jesus and what I believe, and it's going really well, I think. Gets to the end of the haircut. We need to pay. I need to go and draw some money. And so I say to him, I'll be back drawing money. As I'm going to draw money, I start praying, God, give me a way to kind of keep the conversation going. How can I do this? What can I I say? Holding the money in my hand, I go back into the store. As I'm handing over the money, I hear myself say something like this. It's been a great time. Um, I've really enjoyed talking to you. Actually, I'd love to keep talking to you. I'd love to keep the conversation going. Maybe there's some place we can go for a drink to keep the conversation going. And, and as I'm saying that and I'm handing over the money, I realize this is sounding like a proposition. It's, it, it's sounding like I'm asking this person on a date and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm paying them to go on a date with me. That's what it sounded like. And I just, I realized, I, I absolutely butchered it. And so, without saying another word, I turned around and walked out the shop. <laughs> Where does our confidence come from? Does it come from always knowing what to do? Does it come from always knowing what to say? Does it come from getting it right every single time? No. The next sentence in, this, in what Jesus says is the source of our confidence. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me therefore go Jesus has all the authority he's been given every bit of authority and power that is possible to have in heaven and on earth and so we have confidence that as we go he will be with us and give us everything we need to be effective witnesses in the mission of God it's not about the strength of your faith it's about the faithfulness of a strong god we put our little faith in his big Faithfulness. We trust in His authority. Or, as Paddy Putman put it, I loved how he put it: Jesus doesn't give us authority so much as put us under His authority. That's a good place to be under the authority of Jesus. Sometimes, even this word "evangelism" can confuse us. It can be one of the reasons that we feel like we can't do this. We're like, "Well, I'm not an evangelist. Isn't that those those people who just..." Are frothing at the mouth, you know at every given moment to talk about isn't that's not me, but there's a difference between evangelists with a capital E and evangelism. Not all of us are going to be evangelists with a capital E, but we're all called to evangelism, which is simply sharing with those around us. We're all called to be witnesses, all of us. What does a witness do? And this is the word that Jesus gives in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You will be my witnesses in this world. What do witnesses do? They simply communicate what they've seen, heard, and know to be true. It's all a witness does. It's actually really simple to be a witness. And the first witness in any room is actually not you or me. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the leading evangelist in any given moment. And we go... With him. So this is how we go. We go as those who don't have it all together, who don't always know what to do, but we go under the authority of Jesus. Secondly, what do we do as we go? We're gonna go, we're not we're not far from the end here. Stay with me for another two brief brief points. What do we do as we go? Well, this comes from verse. Uh, is it 18? Jesus said, authority in heaven has been given to me. Verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. This verse in lots of ways has been used as a kind of missionary text of go into other nations. Go out of the nation you're currently in or the place you're currently in and go and be a witness. But actually a better translation of this that people have been talking about, which is really helpful, is is more accurate to say, as you go, as you go. So instead of leaving your job, leaving your country, leaving your family, leaving where you are, to go and do missions, be a witness where you are, as you go, as you go. Are you in the corporate business space? Are you in finance? Are you in education, civil service, the charity space? Are you an aspiring entrepreneur? Are you an artist? Are you between jobs? Do you not currently have a job? Are you single, married, dating? Where are you right now? Here is your mission space. As you go. As you're buying your groceries. As you're walking outside your front door and you pass a neighbor. Wherever you are currently placed, this is the place of mission. As you go. Does this have to look a certain way? Do you have to love going out on the streets and talking to people in a like kind of cold calling kind of way? I'm going to share a secret. Um, I don't love healing on the streets. It's, this is the secret that I have to share with you. I find it awkward. Uh, I find it embarrassing. Uh, I'm an introvert. I don't like approaching people without having any relationship with them. I find it really awkward. Steve loves it. <laughs> Steve absolutely loves it, and I'm all for it. I absolutely think we should be doing it, and I want to make sure that the church I'm part of does it. Do I want to do it as well? Yes. I want to grow my muscle. (laughs) Do I want to grow my muscle, my ability to do healing on the streets? Uh, Yes. Is it my natural way of evangelism? No. And that's okay. I don't have to have that as my natural way for me to be a person who's committed to mission. It doesn't. You don't have to do that to be committed to mission. In fact, it might be a stumbling block to you because you feel like if you don't do that, you must opt out of mission. There are lots of different ways, lots of different activities that you can join in to be joining in the mission of God. John Dixon, in a a book called The Best-Kept Secret of of Christian Mission, puts it like this. He says, the best-kept secret of Christian mission is that the Bible lists a whole range of activities that promote Christ to the world and draw others toward Him. These include prayer, godly behavior, financial assistance, the public praise of God, answering people's questions. All of these are explicitly connected in the Bible with advancing the gospel and winning people to Christ. They are all mission activities. And only only a couple of them involve the lips at all. That is so freeing. That is so helpful. You don't find yourself naturally gravitating towards healing on the streets. Go sometimes. It's good. It's good for us. But that's okay. You can pray. Praying for the God of the harvest to send out laborers is as much part of the mission. Giving faithfully towards the work of the mission through your local church and beyond is part of being missional conversations, answering people's questions, all of these ways are ways we can opt in to what God is doing and join God in the mission of God. Mission is our mandate. This is the one mandate you and I have. But how it looks is up to the call of God on each Christian. It's for you to figure out with God, how can I actively, proactively participate in what God is doing in the world And in these different activities, what are we aiming at? I'm coming into land here making disciples, baptizing disciples, teaching disciples. These are the three things that Jesus tasks us in doing. As we are going, as we're praying, as we're giving, as we're living as Jesus would live, we're trusting that disciples will be made and baptized, and taught. So that we are like Jesus in this world. Finally, the who. Who goes with us. Notice that last sentence. Jesus says, I am with you always, to the end of the age. It's the last verse in Matthew's Gospel. I don't know if that makes you think of another verse in Matthew's Gospel. It made me think of one. Matthew chapter 1, when Jesus is given the name Emmanuel, it means God with us. And so in the first chapter and the last chapter of Matthew's gospel, we are given the bookends, the two most important points that Matthew wants to communicate, that Jesus is God with us in this world, in this life, and in the mission that we are called to. God is with us. In what he commissions us to do, God is the who, who is with us. And that makes all the difference. So I wanna, I wanna finish there. And I wanna create some time for us to respond in whatever way you've been challenged uh, to respond today. But the, the big thing I, I wanna get across to us this morning, this afternoon, I think, is that first, it's God's mission. It's God's mission. This is what God has been doing from in the Trinity towards his creation since the beginning of time. We are joining in with what God is doing, and we have one mandate as a church, which is to join in that mission. How it looks is up to the various ways God's created you in this room. I'm not going to prescribe the way that that looks, but we're trusting that disciples will be made that they'll be baptized and they'll be taught to obey everything that Jesus has commanded us. That's what I want us to go away with today. We are sent under the authority of Jesus, in the power of the Spirit, the One who is with us, as we do what God has called us to do. I can I invite the worship teams uh, to come up in, in Battersea as well as here in Balaam? As they're coming up, could we um, could we could we stand together just to? Activate ourselves for a moment as we pray. <clears throat> let's, let's pray. Let's just take a moment to come aware of what God's saying to you, what He has been saying to you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you right now to show us what our part is in your mission. What does it mean to be disciples who are commissioned, followers of Jesus, who are commissioned to continue the ministry and the mission of Jesus? Would you come and meet with us right now, every person, every heart, every life? Increase your presence in this room, Holy Spirit. I believe there are some in this room as I've been praying I believe there's been a sense from God there are some who are feeling a burden to go to be sent. you just haven't known how or when or what. If that's you just just become aware of God ask God to meet with you. What is he saying to you in that space of being sent wherever you may be in your life stage, in your capacity? What does it look like for you to be freshly commissioned today? If you're you're a Christian in this room, God has a specific activity of mission for you. You are not excluded. There's no way that you can opt out. What is your specific activity? What has God put in you? What can you contribute? So Holy Spirit, would you come with power this morning? We, we know in the scriptures that we can only be witnesses once the Holy Spirit has clothed us with power. So would you clothe people this afternoon? with power from on high to be witnesses in Balaam, in London, in the UK, in the world. So as we worship, why don't we continue to seek God and what He is saying to us? We may have a moment of ministry after our first song, but let's just sing, stay in this place of Attentiveness to God. Let Him speak to us. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life giving message from one of our Vineyard 61 speakers.